following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to this week's conversation. I'm your host, Jill Devine, and I've talked about this a little bit on this podcast, but I am a host of another podcast. It's called Two Kids and a Career. And over the last couple of years, I noticed that some of the guests that I've talked to on Two Kids and a Career would be great to have on this podcast. And the first person that came to mind was Brandon Janice. So I interviewed Brandon Janice on my other podcast on February 24th, 2021. And so many of the things that he said in that conversation, I thought the listeners of Normal Goes a Long Way, they have to hear his story. They have to hear about Rachel. They have to know what is happening in that family. And since that conversation in 2021, some really cool stuff has happened with Brandon and his family, including a book deal, which in order to understand the book deal, the new book that he wrote, you have to hear the conversation that we had first. So I wanted to introduce you to Brandon Janice, and this two-part episode is going to be a conversation that I had with Brandon in 2021. And then you're going to get to hear the conversation that I had present day with Brandon about his new book. So let's jump into that conversation, the the one from 2021, with Brandon Janice talking about what he does for a living. So I have a subscription box company. Um, we own a few different subscription boxes, a couple faith-based subscription boxes, and also have a brand called Fanbox, where we are kind of the turnkey spot for any influencer or brand who would like to start a subscription box. So we do different boxes for those that uh, they would like to be in that in that category. And subscription boxes are definitely taking off and i think probably even more so because of the pa- pandemic would you agree with that you are you are 100 <laughs> correct and i and i and i hate to say that i hate to say that business is good when when business is so bad in so many places um but we have we have definitely hit you know a chord with people that are sitting at home and they're still spending money in, in some cases and um we're able to deliver boxes right to their door so it, it, it i again i hate to say it's been good for our business but things have things have really been keep we've been really staying busy. Let's put it that way. Well, I did not ask you to come on the podcast to talk about the business. I did actually say to you when we were emailing, oh, I wanted to learn more about the faith inspired subscription boxes because it is something that is becoming a little bit more relevant in my life. And maybe it's something we could talk about. I don't know, but it's not really what I want to talk to you about. And I just want to introduce 
how we got introduced and it's just again social media is so crazy you can either love it or hate it or be in the middle it kind of depends on the day but I wanted to share a little bit with you on what I kind of know and what um, basically how this all started so let's first go back to I got a message from a mutual friend of ours his name is John and he had sent me a message on Instagram because I do this thing called the super mom shout out. And I started this because it was just like, man, there are women out there who are not getting recognized. Like they just, you need to be seen. You need to be supported. That's all it is. You know, just, Hey, tell me a super mom in your life and let's just give her a shout out. And so he sent me a message and he's like, Hey, I think this is kind of ironic that you do this super mom shout out. And one of my friends is getting this super dad shout out. And so he sent me this post on I'll read it from you on Instagram. And it says, so we did this thing and they even put us on TV for it. One of the biggest things I wanted to do for the kids after Rachel passed away was to give them super cool experiences and to make sure that we didn't take a single day for granted. So we built a skate ramp and an A-frame clubhouse in my sister's backyard because that seems like a pretty cool way to grow up to me. And because my kids are so dang cool, they put us on TV. The show is called Super Dad, but it shouldn't be. They are the real MVPs and I'm just lucky, lucky to get to be daddy to them each and every day. So you can find it on Discovery Plus, you get a seven day free trial and you should check it out when you get a chance. And so all of a sudden I started obviously clicking on it and going, oh my gosh. So I told this to our mutual friend, John, but I did not tell this to you. Um, I, and tell me if this is correct. When your wife passed away, and it was March 2020, I started seeing mutual friends of ours sharing the details about her death. And is it true that the recommendation for when you all did get together to celebrate her life, did you ask that everybody wear concert tees and comfy pants because that's what she would want? Yes, yes. She didn't want it to be stuffy. She didn't want it to be all dressy. She wanted to be super casual and that was her style. And so uh, she, she got her wish. (laughs) Well, I immediately, obviously I connected as a mom and just my, my heart dropped when I read this, but I, it's been a joke in our family. I'm like, okay, I don't know yet what we're going to do, but if I am going to be in a casket, you better be putting my Adidas pants on and my comfy shirts and just, I want to be comfy. (laughs) Let's just make it comfy. So I saw that I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then I started looking more into her story and I mean, oh, I know that this is not easy and it's a beautiful story too, but in preparation for the interview, because I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that this is the guy and the family. And then I started doing some research and I stopped because I didn't want to read or listen to your story with anyone else. I wanted to just hear it so naturally from you and organic. So I don't know much except for Rachel 
had a two-year battle with cancer and, like I said, lost her life in March of last year. So it's now on you, Brandon. I've talked way too much already. No, well, you're right. Um, we had a, a two-year battle with with breast cancer. She had uh, was in remission for, um, gosh, about three months. We thought we were good. We thought we had beat it. We, you know, we did, we, we did everything right. And, um, and then it ended up coming back in her spine, um, August of, of 19. Um, and then it, uh, continued to progress into her, her spinal fluid and then into her brain, uh, in January of last year. So about a year ago. Uh, and that's when we knew, um, that, that things were not, getting better. And, um, it was, it was such a, an interesting time. And I say interesting because, um, you know, most people don't get, I hate to call it a luxury, but the luxury of, of knowing when, when you're going to be gone. And when, you know, you do get to prepare. Um, and Rachel, that's all she set out to do those last few months was prepare us for life after Rachel, prepare me, prepare the kids, prepare all those that were around us. It was the most selfless act I've ever witnessed in my life um, to worry none about her and and all about us. Um, and, you know, most people would, would, you know, start checking things off their bucket list, right? That's, that's what you do when you know you're going to die. Uh, and that was not what she did. She, she checked things off a to-do list to make sure that we were okay. And um, I don't want to say it made it easy because it's far from easy. And being a, a single dad to three kids during a pandemic is not the easiest thing in the world. But, man, she sure did allow it to be much easier than it ever should have been. And it taught me that I don't know what tomorrow holds, nor do you, nor does any of the listeners. And um, we need to make sure that we prepare others well. Um, because again, you nailed it. The concert tease. I didn't know she wanted concert tease at her memorial. I didn't know these things, right? <laughs> but she was able to tell me what she wanted. She was able to pick songs for her playlist at her memorial or celebration. She was able to talk about the candy bar that she wanted for the kids, <laughs> you know, in the back of the room, she was able to talk about who she wanted to sing and who she wanted to speak and what she wanted them to talk about. And so things that I didn't have to think about. So it was all done. We, you know, we call it that time. There was so much beauty in, in the brokenness. Uh, it was such a hard time. We spent 40, 39 nights in the hospital uh, before she passed away. Um, people from all over the world came to say goodbye to Rachel, but they left inspired. They left um, ministered to. They left feeling better than when they entered for sure. Rachel, I had a front row seat for, for 39 nights to watch race, Rachel lead people to Jesus, to watch her... Um, you know, share, share so much good and a world that is so broken. Mm. And when she could have felt defeated and she could have just felt beat down and, and given up, she never did. And it was the most beautiful time. And unless you were, were there, you just can't understand. Cause I was watching my, I was literally watching my wife die every day. Uh, and, and 
but I was also watching her give so much life to so many people throughout that process. And it's just something I'll, I'll never forget. Like you said, I, I wasn't there, so I don't understand. And I have so many questions. But can, before we get to the, the kiddos, tell me how you met Rachel. Yeah, so um, I met her through some mutual friends in college. She went to University of Nebraska. I went to Mizzou, um, and we had some. I had some fraternity brothers that went to high school with her, and um, met her on a on a flag football trip. Believe it or not, that we took to Nebraska. And one of my buddies on the way there, he said, "You're gonna you're gonna fall for her." And I and I wasn't in a position to fall, and nor did I want to fall. Um, <laughs> you're right, and um, it took me ten years to convince her. To, to to date me and to, to eventually marry me but it, i finally figured it out and 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 it happened and um and so yeah it was it was just a, a mutual friends connection that led to 10 years of me chasing her and uh, her finally saying yes and then we she passed away uh 13 days before our 10th year anniversary you have three kids i know that you have two daughters and a boy can you tell me their names and their ages yeah, so Hadley is my oldest. She's nine. And then Cooper is my middle girl, and she's eight. And then Macklin's my little guy, and he is six. Um, I think the thing that I struggle with the most when you were talking about, like, as a mom, how do you prepare to say goodbye to your kids? Like, and knowing that we were going to have this conversation, there have been many times... Because I, I, I knew she, you know, was was battling. I saw the pictures on social media when she got to go outside uh, um, because she wasn't really allowed to, right? Yeah. Or, okay. And, like, she knew and you knew. But I look at my girls and I think to myself, how, how do you... How? So that's that's a, a really good question and a hard thing to to speak on. So one of the things that Rachel and I decided early on, before she got really sick, I mean, just when she first got cancer, was we talked. Okay, do we are we openly public about this or are we private? And there's no right or wrong. So many people keep this close to home and they don't talk about it. Um, and we decided for a couple of reasons early on we were going to share it and be open with our kids. We decided one, um, that we wanted people to pray for us. And the more people that could know about it, we believe in the power of prayer, the better. So if we sh shared our story, people were gonna pray and that mattered. And two, um, awareness for, for women. Uh, Rachel was super healthy and, and two and a half years ago, or I guess three and a half years ago now, there was there was no sign of any issues. Rachel ate well, she, she, she um, was in great shape, she took very good care of herself. There was no reason in the world for it to be her, um, but it happened. And so we want people to understand that it can happen and detection matters and to to make sure you are going to your appointments and you are doing your checkups. Um, and 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 I've gotten hundreds of messages from women that I don't know saying they have you know done their mammogram and they've done these things because of Rachel. So so it worked. Um, but the, the other thing was, I, I never wanted to whisper around the kids. Um, we, we were always open with mommy's surgeries and the different things that was going to happen. Um, but I knew also I had to be honest because my girls are going to be teenagers soon. And if they can't trust me now, 
how are they going to trust me then? And I needed them to be able to know that daddy was telling them the truth. And if I kept, when it got bad, I remember having this conversation with Rachel when we knew we were in the hospital and she wasn't going to come out, uh, barring a miracle. And I remember telling her, I need to tell the kids that mommy's going to go home and be with Jesus. And I remember dreading that conversation because it was going to be the hardest conversation in the world. When daddy comes home, that means mommy's at home with Jesus because I was in the hospital too. And so her parents were staying here and they didn't have either parent. And so um, they knew that was the sign. When daddy came home, that means mommy went home and mommy has no more pain and mommy has no more appointments and she has no more uncertainty and she is, she is healed. She's healed in heaven. And then daddy gets to come home and be daddy again. And so um, again, the reason I had to tell them this is because I needed them to trust me. If I'd have kept saying, mommy's going to get better, mommy's going to get better, mommy's going to get better. And then she didn't. How are they ever going to trust me in anything I say to them again? And so I sat them down in the lobby of the hospital a few weeks before Rachel passed. Um, and the doctors had told us there's just nothing more we can do. Um, and, and I just sat them down and I told them, told them that. I said, guys, you know, you know, medically, there's just nothing more the doctors can do. And, and, and mommy's not hurting because, you know, she's got great medicine and, you know, she's, she's feeling good. Um, but there's just nothing they can do to stop the cancer. And, um, we're going to keep praying about it and and we're going to keep hoping, but, you know, there's a a really good chance that mommy's going to get to go see Jesus soon. And, and that daddy's going to get to come home. And we all cried and we all hugged and, um, you know, they continue to come see mommy every day and hug on her and love her. And, and, um, you know, I don't think they ever said bye. I mean, they say bye every time they leave, but I don't think they had that final goodbye, which was okay with us. But I came home the day she passed, March 1st of last year, and I got home that night about nine o'clock, went into my girl's room and, and gave him a kiss. And they said, mommy went to see Jesus. I said, that's right. That's right. And I went in and told, talked to my, my, my little man and woke him up and just gave him a kiss and said, you're home. You're home, daddy. I said, I'm home. So mommy's with Jesus. Yeah. Mommy's with Jesus now. And so that's how the conversation went. And it's, there's, there's hard days. There's hard moments. Um, they all still sleep on my floor every night. And, um, and I, I'm never going to stop that until, until they want to, you know, I, I think being honest and transparent made the transition from, from her life on earth to her life in heaven, you know, so much easier that it wasn't a surprise that he didn't lie about anything. Um, and we were in it together and we're, we're doing life together now and we trust each other and we're walking through it and we're struggling through it and we're stumbling through it. Uh, but we're a team and I love my team and I'm blessed to have, you know, the team that I have, uh, as we work through this. How are they today? Like, gosh, good question. Yeah. Um, so my little man, Macklin was a mama's boy and, um, you know, he was only five when she passed. So half his life, Rachel was sick. And so he was just used to laying next to mommy in bed and, um, you know, just, just knowing that mommy was probably not going to be up a bunch. And so that was kind of the life he was used to. So he's still a snuggler and a cuddler. And, 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 you know, I've kind of taken that, that place for, for her. Um, my oldest has, has probably taken it 
I don't want to say the hardest, but has she internalizes things a lot more. So, so she's been, you know, in therapy, which is helping a lot for her. My middle child um, doesn't internalize things, talks about everything, and and she just um, she knows mommy's in heaven, and she's she's happy with that, and you know that's that's how we're gonna be, and um, all in all, kids are so dang resilient, and. You know, I honestly don't even know if they know that the year mark is coming up. Um, I, you know, kids, kids' time is so different than our time. I mean, this has been one fifth of Macklin's life this last year, right? It's it's a big chunk of his life. So I don't know if he feels like it's been years or months or weeks or days. I have no idea. <laughs> and we talk about mommy every day. But we talk about happy things about mommy. We talk about, you know, remember when mommy used to do this? Or this was mommy's favorite food. Or gosh, mommy cooks mac and cheese better than you do, daddy. Or, you know, all, all those kind of things. It, it's rarely a sad thing. And I welcome sad. I'm not saying crying and, and letting it go and, and, and all those things is, 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 is bad. That's good. And so we, you know, if, if it comes up and we have hard days, we talk about it. But more often than not, our memories of mommy are so happy and so joyful. And we know she doesn't hurt anymore. And we know she, she's healed and we know she's watching over us and we know all these things. So um, they're doing so well. And it's easy for me to say, but until people come see and experience them, um, everybody leaves and says, gosh, they're good. They're happy. They're, they have so much joy. The reason is because of, of what Rachel did to, to prepare us and to let them know that mommy was going to be going to be okay because she was going to get to watch the Super Bowl with Jesus this year and she was going to get to you know uh, have dance parties in heaven and um, so so they know that mommy's mommy's healed and mommy's good and so they're good okay so we are going to end part one of this conversation with Brandon we'll continue with part two next week so I hope that you'll tune in here's a little preview of what you're going to hear Life is so dang short. You know, three and a half years ago, Rachel was perfectly healthy and there were no issues and we were living our life and we were doing the best we could and that changed. And then we had one focus for, for two years was to keep Rachel alive. And what we learned during that time is that most things don't matter that much. And for two years, there wasn't an argument, there wasn't a disagreement because it just didn't matter. 